Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 It's episode 15 of the Break 80 Podcast out here. We've got a loaded menu for everybody this week. Uh, before we get to that, though, we're joined tonight with uh, Mike and Tim. So, guys, thanks for joining. Um, in the day of age when we are, you know, where we're at in the golf world, your loyalty to this podcast is commended. So just want to thank you guys for that. What an epic week in golf, by the way. Crazy stuff. So, and our agenda is we've got uh, an interview with TaylorMade rep um, Chris Eichenberg, U.S. Open preview we'll discuss. Uh, Rory wins at the Canadian Open. We'll talk about that. And, of course, the latest with Live Golf. Um, well, let's start about, you. Kind of, uh, Mike, you kind of mentioned that the, the the weird week it was in golf. And in one aspect, you know, we have Rory repeating in Canada. He's the duel with JT. The other hand, we have Charles Schwartzel winning the largest purse in golf history for the Live event and the entire weeks with all the headlines that we had. Um, let's just start with Rory and, and the Canadian open first. Um, I'll be the first one to say I've been critical of him on Sundays, especially whether he is always having to shoot 62 on Sunday to try to make a run or the opposite. He's in contention and he shoots, a, I don't know, 73. And that was just not the case. Um, he played lights out this weekend held off one of the best players in the world. Um, and then, of course, had to take the fun shot at Greg Norman at the end of the interview. So what are your guys' thoughts on uh, Rory's week? Well, he is uh, – some might argue this, but he's won back-to-back majors. Canadian <laughs> Open, it's a national championship. Uh, last guy to do it was Kepka winning the PGA back-to-back. Uh, no, but Rory, Rory does kick ass up there. Um I thought, and we'll get to the live stuff in a while, that they were so polar opposite events. The live was so boring. Uh, and you had this awesome Rory, Justin Thomas, Finau, Justin Rose lighting it up, uh, finishes. It was the perfect finish for the PG. The, the PGA Tour needed that to happen. Um, but when it comes to Rory, uh, he he just has a different gear, like, like, you know, there was that one, uh, what hole was that? They tried to, there was like 360. I think it was like 14 or 15 or something like that. You know, he got up to like 188 ball speed. You know, like JT can pump it, but he can't get to 188 ball speed. And even Finau probably could if he tried to do like a big full swing. But I've said it on the pod before, when, when things are firing, Rory's the best player in the world. He's the most talented player in the world when, when, he, when, he's, when he's got everything going for him. Uh, and he's the most fun to watch. Timmy? I mean, I thought golf ended on Saturdays now. I was oh, my, yeah, <laughs> It was a sight to see. Um, 82 at Lake, Lake Pepin Golf Club, Woodrest Farm Track in Minnesota, and then a, a very solid 91 
with uh, with Mike there in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, deal. commendable. Every golf tournament's a roll of the dice on on how close it's going to be on what the leaderboard looks like, and you just you hope every tournament looks like what the Canadian Open had. Um, unfortunately for the Live Tour, not quite there. But it is really good to see Rory back in the winner's circle and at a, a major tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would call it a major, but uh, certainly a, a major tournament. For sure. And, and I think, you know, Rory, like always, drove the shit out of the ball per usual. But I think what I've been most impressed with because he's starting to make gains on this is his wedge play. I think, you know, he's he was all over the stick, at least on Sunday, um, put a bunch close proximity, um, you know, missed a couple little, you know, easier putts, but made most of his makeable putts, made a couple outside of makeable range. Um, when his flat stick, you know, gives him at least a little bit of confidence where he doesn't have to stuff it to two feet to make birdie. I mean, he's clearly one of the best players in the world. Um, but yeah, you can tell though, when his confidence is not there, you can see it. He's, he's one of the few players that he just visibly shows a lack of confidence. And when he has it, he's the one that shows the most. Like you just can't, that driver swing, like Mike mentioned, was like the most confident swing. You know, it, there was, there was no doubt that thing was going to be up by the green. Um, I, I, I don't know if it maybe faded a yard. I, I mean, it was just incredible. Um, so it, it was just fun to watch. I think he's just, when he, like Mike said, when he's clicking, it's, it's another level. So I think I, uh, thing- I, I, I will ahead, say too. this though, cause I, I watched the live event and then from the live event rolled right into the Canadian open on Saturday and, a shockingly low amount of, of TV time for, for Tony Finau, who had the lead for a very long time on Saturday, which was almost a little disappointing. It seems like the, the budget went to the featured group that did include Rory, so some wonderful Saturday golf, but it, it felt like they kind of left Finau out of the, the viewership there for a little while on well, Saturday. If that's one thing that the PGA Tour can take from the live is they cut away I think Finau and JT, they cut away to commercial when they were about to hit their tee shots on 18, the last hole. Like, what are you doing? Nobody wants to see that in camera. You know, they do that commercial side-by-side thing. Like, come on, just wait for the damn commercial till after they hit the tee shot. They're so beholden. That's one of the things the live doesn't have to worry about. They're so beholden to their sponsors and making sure we get all those fucking commercials out there. It sucks. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, when we get to the live stuff, we'll have a little segment of what we think as a fan of golf, the PGA tour could do to, you know, now that there's this new, new league started, they obviously have to look in the mirror and do a couple of things. So I'd like to see your guys' thoughts on some things that the PGA tour could do. And obviously Tim mentions a lot. Some of it's just the viewership and they got off of commercials all the time they have. So that could be one thing that we mentioned, but um, one, one so I, guess, I mean, JT, Obviously, he's playing some of the best golf he's ever played. Uh, he's, you know, obviously he's, he bogeyed 17, 18, so not very timely with those two, two. But Rory put so much pressure on that he felt probably had to feel like he had to make the perfect swing every time. But he was there. He, he did not back down. I mean, Rory birdied. JT would come right back. Like, you know, sometimes when Rory makes those runs, everybody kind of gets shell-shocked a little bit. JT was not that. He, he, said, he tried to get, you know, make just as many birdies as Rory did was right there, tied it, going into 17, I believe. It was all tied up. Rory goes par birdie, and uh, JT goes bogey bogey. One so. thing I will say about Rory, that as a, as a uh, 
I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm a big Rory fan, as you as people listen know, I'm I'm a Rory lo- lover. I don't like the fact that he won necessarily going into the U.S. Open because he is not the greatest at at managing expectations. Because I'm assuming he's probably the betting favorite now this week. I haven't even looked at the line yet. Um, he's got to be right up there. JT and Scheffler are the top. Yeah, three. they'll be all up there. But it's like every this is what happens. Rory gets her going. He's been playing pretty well because he played well in previous weeks too. And then he lays a fucking egg or something at the U.S. Open. Yeah, but Mike, think of it this way too, though. Think of the positive. Like he has not been able to close a tournament for some time. Yeah. Like he's got that in the back pocket now. Like he knows, and he, and he not only did he close it, he closed it against one of the best. He's up to third in the world. That could and, be scary. Yeah. And he's also, if you think about the last month, maybe this is the evolution of Rory. At the PGA Championship, he got off to the good start, which he usually never does, and faded a little bit. And here he kind of did the what he normally does and got played really well on the weekend. Maybe he's going to put it all together at Brookline. Never know. Do you, think he, do you think there was some added motivation there this week? That's my next kind of yeah. thought. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. think he kind of had that side thing? It's like, all right, well, you guys go do that. I'm going to win this tournament this week. Double middle fingers up to you guys. I don't know. I mean, obviously he took the shot at Norman, but. I just think that was, that was Jay Monahan must've been sitting there with, uh, to me, there's a lot of great players in the tour, but I don't know if there's any more that are more fun to watch than when they're playing well than JT and Rory. Like they're, they're the two, like, the most electric guys out there and they're battling down the stretch. It couldn't have been a better finish for the PGA tour. They needed that desperately. I'm sure Monaghan had the teleprompter going for Rory when oh. he was up there. <laughs> I'm sure say this. Yeah. Say, <laughs> this. say this about Greg Norman, please. Yep. <laughs> That's great. I hope we get some Rory wine coming out. <laughs> Well, other than that, let's just go through a couple other guys. That was, I mean, not only, I mean, those two guys, but then you had Fino, Fina, who, by the way, I don't know, he must have risen from the ashes because I haven't seen him be in contention since, I don't know, when the last time he, you know, made any sort of noise at a tournament. He hasn't, had, had, a, hasn't had a great year. No, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I think a lot of people say it's putting. It's, but I, I don't, I, I had to think that there's more than just that going wrong with him at this point because he he hasn't been doing much. And then, and then my guy, I knew he'd be there. Top Ford, Sam Burns continues to play super well on tight tree line courses. Yeah, he loves them. You got to pick him again in the pick segment coming up. Maybe you know I I have to think about that. The one thing, and this is my next thing about Sam Burns, it's like he's super impressive. I feel like when he's he hits so many shots next to the hole. And when he does that, he typically makes the putts. He's usually in the fairways, but then when it comes to majors, where has he not played well? He just hasn't. Yeah. I don't know if he's got, so he's got that next step to make in his career, but um, yeah, that was some more, more power to the, to the uh, Sunday um, charge. And then a guy that you would think might be live ask in a guy that's seems to be past his prime um, has not played well for a long, long time. In fact, I think he, I think he topped a three wood on Saturday um, and then comes out on Sunday and basically bogeys eight uh, bogeys, 18 to sh- actually bogeys 16, 16 and, 18, and, 18. and the easiest hole hole nine to shoot a 60. Justin I think, Rose. I think if we learned anything about Justin Rose uh, this week, it's two things. One amazingly this never used to be the case great taste in shoes wearing the jordan one lows out there <laughs> fabulous i can tell you they are very comfortable as i have a pair two is justin rose likes to compete 
He doesn't think his career is over. Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, all those other guys, they don't want to compete anymore. They want to play exhibition matches like Walter Hagen used to do in the 1915s or whatever and just get paid. <laughs> Justin Rose is here to compete, folks. He's looking to win still. You got you to gotta love that. Yeah, Jay Rose, you think, would be just a, a, a guy that would, would sail off into the live sunset. But no, you got to appreciate that he's, he's out there. And, and maybe he finds something. Maybe he's going to be a player this week. You know, his game, he's won an open before at, at Marion. Yeah. His game fits. A, he's a good iron player, you know. Yeah, so, he had a he had a what a, a second place at Pebble Pebble Beach. We're heading into the second smallest green sizes in in U.S. Open history. That's mm-hmm. right. His putter was unreal that week. He made everything. Yeah, yeah. that was a that was a crazy Sunday to watch. Um, anything else from the Canadian Open? Fun, fun, fun event. Fun. Uh, you know, like the the Canadians um, showed up. Yeah, made, the, made good viewing experience. The Canadian Open was. I thought everything that was great about the PGA tour and at the same time, some of the stupidest shit about the PGA tour that they do that when it comes to the live stuff, which we'll talk about the PGA tour has done some of this to themselves. They gave John Houston an exemption into the Canadian open. John Houston is 60 some years old. He hasn't been good since the nineties. He never was that great. He won a few tour events. Give that exemption to one of the young, like top corn fairy guys that have already locked up their tour card. Probably like that is everything that is wrong with the PGA tour. They protect some of those guys way too much too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It was weird. Like, why would you give it to John <laughs> of all the people? Why would you give it to John Houston? He's not even Canadian. Cripes, find an old washed up. Canadian give, it to to a, out there. give it to a 10 handicap and just see what they do. Yeah. I'd rather <laughs> That's see Tim that. And I, Tim and I <laughs> talked about yesterday at the jewel. Like I'm going to, I'm going to write a letter to the live tour and say, Hey, can you get it? What, what do we got to do to get it? You know, just your, your run of the mill scratch golfer on public courses in Minnesota out there just to be the, be the guinea pig. So everybody, all the rest of the world can see what, how good these guys actually are. I honestly think, and I honestly think it'd be really fun to have what we call a pace setter, just a dude out there. He's going to be the first off. He's going to play by himself. Cause we play super slow with all the shots he's going to be hitting. Yeah. We kind of show everybody at home what a person that, is kind of your normal zero to five handicap shooting at these, these events. I think that'd be a lot well, of fun. They've got, they've got one at Augusta every year. If there's a unfilled spot, Jeff but Knox, that guy but, is he, amazing. But, he's, but he's beaten a bunch of pros. That dude, yeah. that dude knows that place better than tiger. Every, every blade of grass. Jeff Knox um, has an okay gig in life. He's like a hedge fund guy or something. And he, uh, he's a member at like Augusta and Shinnecock and all over the place. Like, Oh, let's just call Jeff. We'll fly him in for the uh, Saturday round here since we have an odd number. Okay, I'll, I'll come down. Why yeah. not? Did, uh, did you boys see the penalty box or whatever they, they called it there at the Canadian Open where they had the the faux boards up and, and a hockey stick and a puck available? Are they trying to be a little um, waste management open with that? A little rowdy? They did some weird I... shit. The dangling, the dangling bar thing from the crane was weird as hell. I'm a believer. I think every tournament needs some sort of identity. And I think that's kind of where I would, I need the, for example, our home tournament, the 3M to have some sort of like thing that it's known for, you know, like give the Scotch winner a freaking um, doctor jacket, you know, or have them. I don't know. Like you got to do something to kind of, you know, remember, remember the tournament. There's just nothing there. And I think every, if every tournament can kind of find its own little niche, that, that that'll give a, a little bit more uh, luster to the PGA tour as well. So you're, you're saying Toronto has the, the sky bar. So they, they had to elevate the, uh, the one set of stands to make it unique. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, do what you got to do. Whatever's, whatever the Canadians want, the Canadians get. But make something just kind of memorable for everybody. And I, even that stupid and plaid jacket that they have. Or the, the, maybe, uh, uh, maybe the guys here at the, um, the 3M can try to hit a pickaxe out of a bunker. Sure. I mean, what's the, what's the, um, uh, uh, Hilton head, they like fire off a cannon, you know, I do find something, you know, I give us something at TPC here for the 3M on the 17 T, which plays like 220 or whatever it does. Yeah. They should have to, they should have to pound a plate of tater tot hot dish and then go hit the tee <laughs> shot. Just right around, just like right, right off the, right, right off the, even the tater tot hot dish straight to hit the tee ball. Yeah, that would be great. Um, well, let's transition into our, our all favorite. I know Tim's going to have a lot of input on this, his favorite tournament. As we head to the live, um, it was the first ever event that they hosted. Um, I'm going to be honest, I watched zero minutes of it, so I can't, com- I can't comment so much on anything other than results and the news stories that came out. But Charles Schwartzel did win. Biggest person golf history, DJ. I just some memorables here. G- DJ took eighth. Gooch finished just behind him in ninth. And then Phil was 34th out of the 48 participants. I, I just want to read you the stat that matters here. So okay. Charles, Charles Swartzel, $4.7 million in, in his earnings off of his win. Abomination. Just that he's getting $4.7 okay. million. Rory, right, Rory, okay, to, Rory, Tony Finau, JT, Corey Connors, and Justin Rose. So your top five made a combined $3.89 million. And if that doesn't get people interested in the live tour, I don't know what will. Because money does talk. Money for sure it does. And the thing that bothers me about those guys is they won't just admit it. Just just admit it. Start by saying we're playing, we're taking the money. They I don't think the live tour wants them to say that though. That's the problem. They, they all go up is there, this- they all go up there with some bullshit story about oh, we're changing the game of golf and it's better for my family. And They're blah, all blah, robots. Blah. They were taught to say these things. It it's was better for it, your family, Dustin Johnson, because they gave you 150 fucking Br- million. Bryson dollars. said it Bryson said it was a business decision 15 times in his interview today. That's all he said. That's perfect. You know, they, so oh. going into the country club, we're gonna talk about the the first premier premier u.s golfer and the biggest success story maybe that u.s golf has ever had in francis we met who for the love of the game decided to never go pro so if the pga tour was really that interested in the trophies and the legacy and not the money they should all be amateurs stuart hageseth right that That guy's not an amateur fuck that (laughs) i was talking about this i was talking about this tim yesterday you he has played in he plays in a new tournament every week somewhere. Yeah. He's yeah. like some rich kid. He's not even a yeah. kid anymore. He's like 34 years old. He's like some rich head fun, he head like fun baby. Walker Cup, didn't he? He's played multiple Walker. He's played in like three masters. The recent one. Yeah. That guy gets it. Love of the game. Not <laughs> yeah, out there right. for the prize money. Not greedy like Rory and JT and all those guys. Holier than thou. Question for you guys. You're out there to make a living, and, and the live tour is bringing the money. Otherwise, so, you'd be like Francis. That we can't met be and argued, never go pro and, and the money the aspect. Game. The money aspect cannot be argued. That's hundred percent. I agree. That's that is a huge difference. Um, the only problem is there's no there's no business model with. I want to get into that for a second. But before I, before we transition to this, can you guys tell me what do you think Charles Schwartzel shoots at the actual PGA Tour? What is he? What place is he finished in this week? If he actually played in the PGA Tour, he wasn't good. He what do you make a, what do you need a lot of it? He didn't play well. Nobody played well. And it wasn't even a hard setup. 
It was an exhibition match. I, I that's what I'm saying. Like he walks away with four million dollars and he basically beats a punch uh nobody's. So to give you a to give you a rundown of how this so I'll go into some of the things I liked about it here in a second, but some of the stuff was just stupid shit. They had a draft that was already oh. staged and set up ahead of time. All four South Africans were on the same team. Um, that was dumb. The logos were, it was like my soon to be fifth grade daughter can make better logos. The, the stingers logo looked like an intestine, looked like a, looked like a large intestine with an S they were terrible, just atrocious. And the golf was not good. They need, yeah, I get it. Money talks and you're, they're going to get Bryson and Reed and a few other guys. You're going to need to get better players or this is not going to work. It was not great to watch. Uh, Schwartzel was ahead by one shot at the end of the first round over Duplessis, another South African. At the end of the second round, Schwartzel was ahead by one shot over Duplessis. And at the final, Schwartzel won by one shot over. It was like over Duplessis. It was the most boring. There was no, nothing was intriguing except for the guy that got hit in the head with the golf ball and rolled down <laughs> the hill. That was the most exciting thing. <laughs> that was the right, most exciting right the thing bum, that actually, happened. Right in the bum. And Mike, the oh. logo shouldn't surprise you. Have you seen OPEC's logo? It's, <laughs> it was it's not bad. remarkable. I, I did like the uh, the broadcast setup with the, with the score on the side. You know, minus some of the logos and shit, they could clean that up, and that was a decent thing. And no commercials was awesome. You're watching golf the whole time. Um, but they're, I mean, they have a problem here. Their viewership, and I don't know if it's for all of the hype, like I can't imagine any of these live events are going to be more hyped than the first one. Day one, they only had 94,000 viewers on YouTube. Day two, they only had 54,000. That's a paltry low number. Like that's terrible. Half the um, people decided that I didn't like when I saw them done. So, I, I mean, the Portland event will have Bryson and Reed and a few others, um, but they're going to have to really up it up the game here somehow or, or the money can only i suppose they keep handing out money left and right uh, but man they gotta have to fix some stuff here and, and, and including jerry fultz the analyst clearly has no handle on american fans in golf because he talked about patrick reed coming to live and he said fans love him clearly he has not been around since the 2016 Ryder cup apparently i'm um, concerned that we're losing two villains yeah, that's it. They're losing the villains in the PGA. Tour. We're losing Bryce. We got to keep Brooks. I mean, that's the only other one that it's not, you know, the other two are are kind of considered villains. So we, we, we kind of need that in golf. I'd be pretty worried. His his brother's over. Dustin Johnson's over. If it's he can Jenna stay Sims, around for the majors. Married to Jenna Sims, she's going to want some extra cash. Yeah, they just got married. Ludacris doesn't pay for himself. No. <laughs> it's wrapping at the wedding. It's just, they're going to have to... They're going to have to do something to up the competitiveness because Ogletree shot 82, 75, 75 or something like that and cashed in 120 grand for dead last. So if he plays eight events and gets dead last, that's damn near a million dollars for terrible. I mean, 82 on that golf course, it wasn't set up hard. It's nearly a participation trophy that my daughter gets at soccer tournaments. Yeah. So I, I will think gladly take that trophy. Well, I would too, obviously. And any, I think any of us would, but at well, some point in time, the competitor in some of these guys has to be like, 
what are we doing here? I don't know. I I'd mean, imagine because they're they're limited, right? They're doing a scramble. They won't change that format. So eventually, they're going to hit a cap on what the live tour can have, and they, they can really scramble. start to they be selective. Teams. But you can really start to be more selective of who stays and who goes. Well, they on don't these want, live they, they they've said they're not going to go over forty-eight man field because they have yep. to have their four-man teams. But they shotgunned it. That's another thing. They fucking shotgun started. A, a, you're going to call yourself a, an actual tournament or championship and you shotgun started like the four man scramble I played today. That was oh, one my. of my favorite parts because here comes had... Charles Schwartz. finishing on hole two as he yeah. comes. Stupid. Stupid. This is supposed <laughs> to be Nobody's on the hole, but yeah, this will be championship golf. You want to talk about, golf you shots. want to talk we about golf shots all the way up to the end though. There wasn't any sitting in the clubhouse and waiting to see how someone finished. They were actively on the course. Well, able yeah, to I... kind of fend for themselves. It takes a, it takes away the bitching about the draw because y'all just go out there and play. But at the same time, now you're going to have the argument of okay, well, I had to finish on the hardest hole, and you know you you might come down to it where one guy's everybody plays that hole. I get it, but playing the hardest hole when it's the last hole versus playing the hardest hole when it's the second hole are two different things when there's a bunch of money riding on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, remember though, all of this, even even the setup format that we have now is fairly new for the tour, right? With TV scheduling it. You weren't even necessarily paired at the end if you were in the lead 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. I, but up and I just don't understand. Maybe they have, I mean, they have a shitload of money. Like they're they're paying, the Saudis are paying, I think I heard 300 million to the Asian tour. They're helping to prop up the Asian tour. Cause you notice a lot of players were off the Asian tour were playing in this one. Um, because they're paying the Asian tour a bunch of money uh, as well. They're just throwing money around. I, how long can they? I know they have a shitload of money, but like they're just going to keep doing this until because if, if what's the point if nobody's watching and it's and it doesn't pan out, are they just going to keep throwing money out there? Well, they've, they've been at this for years. They brought in IndyCar racing. They yeah, reintroduced soccer and soccer they yeah they own a team they brought in movie theaters they are they are in essence opening up culturally to the west and whether that's for better total relations with us or trying to be even more of the head of of opec or you know some sort of leverage later on i i certainly don't know but uh it's it's not just to to make a profit i don't think it's it's to heal some or mend some cultural ideas about the, the country as a whole. I, 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 I just, I'm staying away from all the geopolitics of it. I just don't understand other than the money. Obviously they're all, let's say the money wasn't a thing and they're just playing in this other league, just to try something different. You're not playing 72 whole event. You get no world ranking points, which isn't going to, if this thing continues, it takes two years to actually be able to get into the world ranking system. So guys like Taylor Gooch, who are, were up to what they, what was he, Jeff? 30 something. 35th. 35th in the world and playing really well. Taylor Gooch has had a really, really good year. If he can't play PGA tour events and let's say the DP or the Euro tour uh, does the same thing, advanced players, which they haven't yet, maybe because they're in bed with the Saudis a little bit on their normal tour anyway, but if Taylor Gooch can't play events and not, and these don't count for two years, he's never going to play in a major again. 
unless he qualifies, he's going to have to go through the whole qualifying process, I suppose, for the U.S. Open and the British Open. But he's got he's exempt right now in all of those. So the majors, the maybe the money is more important than winning to a lot of these guys. I suppose it probably is, but I well, don't that know. kind of goes off my my take. I just aside, results aside from the, from what happened this week, I just did anybody feel anything? You know, as a golf fan, I guess I could be considered more of a purist. Like I just I have a hard time watching any sport, not just just golf aside. Like if there's nothing attached to it, like you're, I mean, I, I get entertainment from the best competing at the highest of levels. That's where I, that's where I get my feels from. You know, it's like, to me, it felt more like a WWE venue. It's like, you know, we're going to have false, like all those guys, you cannot tell me that those guys literally thought this is great having a draft and stuff. Like it, it, it they just pretended like that was cool. They know yeah, it's not cool. It was all like you know, they, it was all prearranged too. Yeah, it's they like did it's some pretty fantasy. cool stuff. Uh, this is this is on other. It's on their YouTube station, but not a part of the the coverage necessarily. But did pretty cool stuff of the guys hanging out. So they they had a camera crew follow them around at some of the team dinners. Just really the guys hanging out to to talk about their rounds, about themselves, about you know how they've known each other for years. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, because we cool. don't see that. We don't see that from the PGA necessarily. A lot of guys stay in their bubbles. So I thought it was it was interesting to see a different side of the guys that the live is is offering. There, it's good for that. And like I said, the, like some of the graphics and the broadcast were good, but it was really boring golf product. They're going to need to get a lot better players out. There. But it's not even it's not even a business. That's the thing. Like they're not even making money. They're yeah, they're, they're literally just money. throwing away millions of dollars. It's going to turn into billions soon. Here, it's like there's nothing that actually takes in money there's nobody the tickets were free you don't even have to pay to get into the event and nobody was there you watched on tv there were not good crowds they're not making we, money on their t there's like how they're there's just it's not sustainable are we talking about the podcast we're we talking about live golf <laughs> <laughs> yeah feel free sponsors to reach out yes. to us for anything um you're right <laughs> yeah it's just i don't um that's yeah funny. we'll see i mean they're gonna have a better field in portland for sure um but I just, it's, it's a wild, wild west out there. Well, how about they, and the, I will say what was great was the press conferences because they, those European reporters grilled those guys about the Saudi stuff. And of course you didn't get many answers. Um, DJ was said, <laughs> DJ said he's trying to play less golf. So that's why I did it. Of course. And that's what um, Bryson said today. Yep. And um, well, but the thing is then play less golf on the PGA tour. You don't. They have to play 15. Is that what it is? Something like that, which isn't that much. That's 15 well, weeks out of the to year. These guys, to these guys, they don't want to be going to play the three. You know, Dustin yeah. Johnson doesn't want to travel. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want to be at the three M when he didn't break 80. By the way. No. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by the way, we're gonna try that at some point. I feel is that coming up? Are we gonna Are we gonna do that? Yeah, we'll get out there. Trey just messaged me today. Uh, we'll get out there and play the podcast. Us three from the tips. See what, what we can shoot from the tips out at TPC. Um, I told them we'll do it before the three M some point in time here. Yes. Yeah, so before we, um, before we move on though, before we pass, pass through the live tour, yep. I do, uh, I do have a couple additions because big lip guy, these would make it perfect. Uh, we need the addition of Kyle Berkshire out there. <laughs> For those okay, of you who don't know, that's, that's why it's getting the WWE. Get some yeah. somebody that can do exactly. something that nobody else can do. Yeah. Long drive champion. Um, I think John Daly Jr. would be a, a solid addition yeah. to the tour, too. Yeah, he can't make the team at the University of Arkansas, but he could be in the live. Heck yeah. <laughs> dad. Come on down. Just put him on the team. It's just the daily team. Uh, we need walk up music. 
for tee shots. PGA Tour does the, uh, that. Zurich. The European Tour used to do that at a few events. They had that one event where you had to tee up over the pool on the rooftop, and it was, and you, in that par three, they had a music player, and that was sweet. Specific specific walk up music would be great, and then I think we talked about this: a worse shot or an alternate shot on these teams. And I'm I'm a big voter of worse shot just to see how far off the beat the path I the guys can get. I don't even get the whole team thing. The team thing was weird to me. Like I don't even know who won. What team won? The Schwartz, all the South Africans won. Well, they had first that? and second place. They had okay. first and second place guy. Okay. Yep. Um, but it does. I don't. Well, I don't understand that they should make the team one like Stableford or something with a bunch of where you get just points for eagles and birdies or something, something different than just overall team score like that. <laughs> okay, who cares? Um, it, it seems like we are kind of in a place now, and this is going to be really interesting this week at the US Open because it kind of seems like from media standpoint that we've got kind of a good versus evil going on. You know, you've got Rory and JT who are obviously big time sportsmen right now for the PGA Tour. Um, you know, these guys that are getting just grilled about the live, they've just tried to turn into a robot and just, you know, answer this as bleakly as they can. But what honestly, our last few minutes here on spent on this, what honestly can the PGA tour, they, they have to look in the mirror. They got to make some changes because there's a reason why not just money that that's part of it. Obviously, you know, I, I know they'd love to pay, pay people 4 million to, to win, but that's not, you know, realistic at this point. But what are some other things? One of the things I thought is they should get their expenses paid for when they travel to a tournament. They can still make $0 on a cut line, but they honestly have to pay everything just to get there. It's like, if you're going to host a tournament in Canada, I should be able to get there. It's my job. You guys should be paying for that in my stay. Now, you know, some might want to live more luxurious, you know, say this is the hotel that our players are staying at. We'll pay for that. You want anything above that, that's on you. But like, I think p- players should have to not leave the tournament losing money. I, I, yeah, you're right. And caddies probably too. They're paying, they're paying the caddies to live. Yes. I think a big kicker for this is the PGA tour needs to make it easier or faster for those young players that are on the corn free tour to get to the PGA tour. Because the live is going to go start throwing money at those young guys coming out of college. They're going to say, you can come play for us for, you know, X amount of dollars, or you can try to work your way through the corn fairy for a year or two and try to get up to the PGA tour. They got to make it easier uh, and quicker or whatever somehow to get there because you, they're giving John Houston a fucking exemption into this week to the Canadian Open. He's 60 some years old. He should not be playing on the PGA Tour. Let a young guy play. What, what is that? The thing they've got, you have to, as a college player, you've got to qualify. You got to be like a top five, and that gets you automatically into the what? Corn Ferry or something like that? Yeah. The two Texas guys and um, know, the dude from Georgia cut out the dude that actually played this week. Last year um, or two years ago, Angus Flanagan for the Gophers was, was close. Played to at that. Riviera. That that thing too. Who, by the way, shot sixty one at the tape mark and and saw beat, Trey, beat uh, Trey by two shots. Which will we ta- will we take it on Trey here out of TPC one of these days? Yeah. So Real I don't know anything else, Tim. Before the, we wrap up, anything from yeah, uh, money, what else? Can, viewership is on one you mentioned. Money on the tour. Uh, the PGA Tour struck a deal for six hundred and eighty million dollars with with CBS and partners. Um, 
here in 2022. So they, they definitely have the, the cash income and that's without the additional sponsors um, that host the, the different events, um, the ticket sales, everything else, the concessions and things of that sort. So that tour certainly has enough cash flow to, to pay people better. There's been a choice to not, to not do so. Um, and that choice rings all the way down to the Latin tour. It rings down to the corn ferry. Um, in fact, on Saturday, they had a uh, kind of an expose on one of the, the corn ferry players that was pretty much living paycheck to paycheck as a, a top 25 corn ferry player. And I thought that was all too appropriate having just wrapped up the live and watch somebody make 120K coming in last place. I feel like, I feel like well, I guess I never, never mind. I was going to say baseball is kind of similar, but I forgot that they sign big contracts out of they get, yeah, they usually get large pick, signing bonuses, signing bonuses yeah. off, you know, 40 yeah. grand. But again, they have they have the tour bus or the the bus is paid for, right? Yeah. They generally get a food stipend, um, so even they have a little bit easier financially. They have kind that. of an issue. They have to like the PGA Tour has to find a way to pay the studs more money. You know, Rory, Justin, the big timers. At the same time, they got to find a way to pay the the young up and comers more money. Like like Tim said, they can't be living out of their fucking car. You know, trying to make it when Liv's going to maybe offer them hundreds of thousands of dollars to get last place. It's just not going to work. They're going to who wouldn't take that? If you're some guy that's just, just grinding week to week trying to make it. Well, who wouldn't if you're take grinding, it? but if you are one of the top players coming, the young guys, you're going to maybe bet on yourself to be. You might. But at the same time, you gotta there's, build them. there's there's no path like there's no quick path for those college players unless you get really lucky and like, like Matt Wolf at the, got an exemption to the 3M that year and one, which gives him the career thing and speed of rare few, but most yeah, of not, those guys, easy. most of those guys that are just studs in college have to really grind for a few years to finally get out there. And then they do well. And the lives is going to show up and say, come play with, come play this week for, you know, if you get dead last, we'll give you 120 grand. Even that Ashley Batia, like he'd be a great yeah. get for the, for the live. I can't think of a single other other sport, even in the minor leagues, where you have to ask for a host family to yeah. <laughs> uh, to support you, so you can have somewhere to stay. It's crazy. Yeah. So, anything else as we transition? I don't think so. Well, it is major week, our third major of the year, U.S. Open held in Massachusetts at the Country Club in Brookline. Uh, the course, par seventy. That has some rugged natural topography, I believe. Uh, it's got plenty of blind tee shots, I heard the guy say today. Some um, Plenty of hazards, long, rough, and perhaps one of the biggest character traits of the course, tiny greens. It is not that long, though, at about 7,200 yards. So it is not as long as the last few U.S. Opens has been have been. Um, some players were quoted to say it's the hardest golf course they've ever played. So in my opinion, it sounds like accuracy at the tee is going to most likely be an important stat in past distance with accuracy has been a big thing, but I don't think so much this year. Um, and then with the small greens, a, a huge factor would be their iron play. Um, not, you know, not as big targets. Um, and like in any other U S open, the ones who can save par a bunch, make those 10 to 15 footers and try to save that shot are going to give themselves a chance. So with that being said, what do you guys take on, whether it be the golf course or how it's all set up this week, any anything from from you guys? 
when you're talking small greens, we're talking very small greens. They're uh, about 4,300 square feet on average, which is 2,500 square feet smaller than the average tour stop. So they're, they're very small. I think Pebble's the only one smaller. Pebble's the only one smaller. Yep. And if, um, if you've been watching on social media or anything, the rough is lush. I watch guys dropping balls like they're like, like you're doing a drop out of a hazard. The classic drop the ball in the rough. It's varying. <laughs> so typical. Maybe maybe Mike Davis is back in charge of the USGA. Thank God. Let's get this thing back to over I need par. Some Mike that's, Davis that's what I want to see. Over par winner. Yeah, I want a Mike Davis meme this week. Hell yeah. Tim, what's your take on the golf course? Old school, well, very old. Oldest country club, right? It's one of the original five. One of the okay. Yep. One of the yeah, the uh what the original six holes was done in uh what 19 1893. Um it originated as all good clubs did as an equestrian club in 1882. So a lot of history at this place. Um that original design was done by a name man named Willie Campbell, who was the pro there at the time. Uh, some additional holes were added, and then uh, Primrose, which we'll see on two slash three of the holes was added in 1927. So they've actually got 27 holes out there and it's going to be a mixture of 15 from the main course or the championship course, and then three from Primrose. Um, a couple of very interesting holes that are, that are going to be out there for the guys. Um, one of them being, and just going through my notes here. Uh, one of them being a 619 yard par five up the hill that has a, a very distinctive landing spot. So, so if you miss the fairway um, and you have to lay back without cresting the top of this large hill, you're going to be roughly 180 yards up with a blind shot. So something very unique that they, they really haven't seen. Um, the other thing that's going to be quite odd, they're using two holes, hole one and two on Primrose to make a par five, but they're using the entirety of hole one, including the green as fairway and then using holes, hole two's green as the green on that hole. So combining two to add a water feature and, and add length. And I thought that was really a, a first that I'd seen in U.S. championship history. Wow. Good tidbits there, Timmy. If you've seen, if you've seen the movie, The Greatest Game Ever Played, the Francis We Met movie, it's on Disney+. Plus. That, that, that's based loosely i would say very very loosely based on how it actually went down with francis we met at um the country club at brookline um which of course 1913 famous victory did you see anybody um that um they're they're bringing back a hole that hadn't been used since we met's victory in 1913 a, part a little three. part three, yeah, the little which, guy, which looks sweet, just bunkers all over it. Um, yeah, it's a cool, it's a, it's a really cool old golf course. It's, uh, yeah, like Tim said, there's really no one designer. It's been pie- piecemealed together over over early years there, um, and it's a real mix of some dog legs and uh, there's rock outcroppings in some spots. Um, Gil Hans re- redid it a few years back. Uh, I think it was Gil Hans. Yeah, I think Gil Hans yeah. did it. And he yep. was talking about how it was kind of hard to, you know, they were they were saying, well, we could add a bunker here, but then they d- dig down a little bit and it just rock right underneath there. So it was kind of interesting. You got it's it's a real mix of. of I think stuff, they but... were they're calling them chocolate drops 
all of yeah. these these rock mountings because they got lazy. Well, they just didn't have tools. They'd move all the rocks to a pile and grass grew over the top. Yeah. Um, but, you know, famous moments in golf have happened here. Uh, we met's victory, which Francis, we met's victory was the real beginning of United States golf. Like that was the boom when he won as an amateur against Harry Varden and Ted Ray uh, in 1913. Uh, Justin Leonard's putt at the 99 Ryder Cup. That was here. Um, so some big, some big that outfit moments. that he wore too. Yeah, the shirt. Yeah, some big <laughs> moments. Hey, you guys need that for this week or for next in two weeks. I want those <laughs> shirts. Our team's oh good. We got to cover something, Timmy. We got to have some team. Uh, Just hit the, we find hit the some nineteen nineties <laughs> Tiger Woods red shirts. So we got to get some Tiger yeah. things. The really thick, thick polos that were yeah. extra, extra, extra large weather. But so uh, the um, yeah, this will good. be the fourth time that the U.S. Open is there. Uh, so 1913, we met uh, 1963, Burroughs, and 1988, Strange. But all three of those ended in a playoff. So we better see some fireworks. That'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess that sets the, the, the stage for the, the picks. But before we get to that, we've got an update from last week. Um, Timmy had Corey Connor, so I believe top 10. Sam Burns, I had, who was got a T4. And the winner of the week with a third-place finish. Forgot that he did bogey the last couple to take third, um, JT. So Mike he gets was, the W. I commend JT for get, trying to knife one in there. and try. He's trying to win it. He's the anti-live golfer. He's trying to actually win and compete out there. It's not an exhibition, Tim. This is a championship. <laughs> he's not trying and to not, hold off his not, And not just any championship. It was a national championship. These, he's trying to win that thing. So that brings Mike to another win. Now it's um, Tim and Mike are tied at the top with four wins apiece, and I am at uh, at two. So I believe the picks go. The late last place finisher from the week before is going to go first. And we're actually going to do three picks this week. You know, majors, we get up for that. We get excited. So we want to do a, a pick to win. Um, sort of that'll be a, a one through 20, somewhere in there, world ranking. And then we'll do a pick to show, which will be somewhere between the the 20 and 40 um, world golf ranking. And then we've got our sleeper segment, which would be anything over 40 in the uh, world golf ranking. So Timmy, we're going to do our pick to win first. We'll do a, We'll go around. It'll be Tim, myself, and then Mike. Well, I, uh, I actually did some research in finding that just going with the country of origin wasn't a good strategy. <laughs> Uh, from from the last couple of weeks, unless they're Chilean, unless they're Chilean, you're not picking Keegan Bradley's Massachusetts. <laughs> Keegan, <laughs> he's actually a sneak. He's a sneaky sleeper pick, actually. Okay, well, we might real see sleepy, the Eeyore <laughs> of picks. Uh, so a, a couple things that that kind of came up during learning about the course, learning about who could possibly pay, play well. Not only do they have phenomenally small greens. Um, but those greens are Poana, which is a little bit unique for, for up north and, and for golf courses today. So tried to figure out who was going to be a good putter on Poana greens. Um, obviously, length wasn't going to be quite as big of a factor here uh, as other places. Um, and just try to see who was coming in hot. So uh, I know that we had our best player or our top 20, our mid guy and then someone down down lower i was shocked shocked that i couldn't get two of these players because one was still so high in the rankings um 
And just for my love of the live, I try to go as heavy live as I could. But <laughs> the first pick is, is going to be Will Zalatoris based on, on accuracy around tree lined uh, courses, around uh, riding off a, a really big hot streak, uh, a good finish at another uh, Gil Hance redesign that he just played at the PGA. Uh, so that's going to be my pick to win. Um, we're sticking with, we're going to go through the winners first here. All right. All right. But, but that's a chic pick. Trendy pick. I feel like a lot of guys picking Will Zalatoris. Trendy. And you just, you just honestly, your last like three sentences were exactly what my pick is. Just not the same guy. Uh, plays well at tree, tree line courses played well at the PGA. Um, the PGA tour is just too scripted. Now I'm going back to the live. Yeah. <laughs> More excitement. But, but the one thing he has that he's been playing, he's got three top tens in his last four. And one of those was a major. Um, He's also won a tournament at this golf course, the 2013 US Am. He's extremely accurate off the tee, does everything pretty well. Um, and Mike's favorite part, he wears Skechers. We're going Fitzy. Jesus. Um, he's going to leave the flag stick in, even though somebody just found out that 99% of the time you should take it out. He's going to leave it in. Play really gross. Lots of pars. He loves making pars. And that's why I want, really want him, because nobody can make a par like Fitzpatrick. Nothing says old man like the Skechers. <laughs> I should have took a picture on Sunday. He had on. There was a perfect frame on TV where where he was. They, they were right behind, and he had on a, the white Skechers with the giant S in the middle that just looked like he was walking laps at the mall. Hot laps at the <laughs> mall, like it was the most grandpa fucking shoe of all time. I couldn't even believe it was out there on the PGA Tour. I bet Fitzpatrick takes off his golf sketchers to put on other sketchers to go home. <laughs> sure. He's got, uh, he's got sl sketcher slippers for sure. It's Fitz magic. There have been, I believe a dozen players in the history of the USGA to win both the am and the open in their careers. Uh, nobody has ever won at the same golf course. He would be the first to win on the same place where he won the AM. Let's make history, baby. Let's do it. Okay. Now that I've steamrolled my way back to the top of this thing, <laughs> tied in the tide at the top. I've rode I've rode the Chilean wave for a few uh for a few weeks here. Uh, which I was I seriously, seriously, I do like Jocko. I do like Jocko this week. Um but it, you know, here, here I am sitting here. I could take Rory, my guy, not going to do it. I could take JT, my other guy, but I'm not going to do it. Here's, here's a little statistics for you guys. You know, this is the U S open and the most demanding golf tournament out there. My guy that I'm about to take is top 10 in strokes gained approach strokes gained T to green and strokes gained total on the season. Even though people have thought he just hasn't played that great. And if I was to tell you this, who's the only player? Well, maybe not the only player, but he, this guy has played in five U.S. Opens, and he's never finished outside of top seven in his five Prince starts. Kepka. Xander Shoffley. Oh, Xander, man. Okay. Xander has played in five U.S. Opens. His worst finish ever is seventh in all five. That's he's been top seven every single time. So we're, he's, he's actually... It's funny because, you know, I think on a previous podcast, I might have even ripped him for not having a very good year. But when you dig a little deeper into the numbers, he's actually played pretty well. Uh, at least he just hasn't won. 
and he and he missed cut at the players and the masters but the pga he was like 13th or something so i'm gonna go i'm gonna write, go with xander to get the big monkey off his uh back here and get a get a major right. victory killing me shoffley all right yep uh timmy what's your show 20 to 40th world ranking see before we put in the rules this was going to be my to win so i'm glad that we did so, that. wow okay oh uh, yeah big big live guy here so again taking into account the poana greens the small greens someone that has accuracy off the tee and good hands someone that didn't have to deal with the stress of the canadian open and the seventh major whatever major it was but came off of a nice 50 hole 54 hole expo making a, a decent amount of money and with his team winning without really much of his own input I'm going with Louis Oosthuizen, who had a, a tie three in the 2019 uh, U.S. Open at at Pebble. So we know he does well on on those small greens, and was at at the height of uh, some of the Poana putting stats. I thought maybe you'd take Ogletree. He's coming in hot off the lift. <laughs> he's <laughs> real rusty. He's, coming, he's riding a 120k finish. He could pay for his way one, there for sure. <laughs> one would argue he's the least rested because he had to swing the golf club so many times. <laughs> Well, that sounds good. Well, my guy um, has got two top tens in the U.S. Opens. This is my show here. Um, he's hot. In his last 10 starts, his worst finish is 35th. He's basically a top 10 machine now, and he plays tree line courses. Amazing. Played really well last week. Um, outside of just a couple sloppy bogeys, I think he definitely has a chance to win this thing. He's got a major under his belt. Um, he's another Euro. Shane Lowry. Yeah, he, I like the, he's on my list. He, he's I got a nice yeah, on my list. cutter off the tee. You know, he hits yep. he's a big shot maker. So that's I think that's uh, I think he's he's ready to bring it. He he's also the, got uh, a second place finish in the 16 US Open at Oakmont. Uh yeah, Shane Lowry's good. He's one of my two guys here written down. He's a good fit he is, for this one. He's the best in the last 55 rounds, most most strokes gained on the field. Yeah, he's been playing well. He, I think he was 10th place, something like that, at the Canadian Open. So I'm looking here at this uh, at this list of 20 through 40. There's actually a lot of players that that have that kind of U.S. Open mold. Abraham Answer, pretty straight off the tee, keeps it in play. Um, Max Homa, great ball striker. I don't know if the putting good, holds good up. Good Poana putter. My guy, my guy Cameron Young, I can't take him with the putter this week. I can't take him with the putter this week, Cameron Young. Um, uh, Patrick Reed, actually sneaky, sneaky, good U S open player, Patrick Reed. If you look at, if you look at his history, but I'm going to take, um, uh, a guy who Tim just took last week to win all the pressures off. He doesn't, you know, this is not, this is a minor league event for him. He's not even playing. This is not even a big deal this week. The pressure's off the big national championship stage last week at the Canadian Open. He fired an eight under whatever he shot the last round. He's one of the straightest hitters on tour. Uh, and, his, and he's also uh, right up there in, let me check what his stats are here one second. He is top five off strokes and off the tee, driving efficiency and in greens and regulation. He's finished 6th and 13th the last two weeks, gaining 19.1 strokes off the tee and approach. He's a great-looking U.S. Open player. That's Corey Connors. We're going Corey Connors. He's, he's in the 20 to 40 range in the world ranking still. All right. 
last round. This is our sleeper pick. Have to be outside the top 40. Tim, who you got? I'm going to go with a guy that failed to break 80 a few weeks back, but has had a very solid season otherwise. A good striker of the ball. And someone that I just realized I had to uh, pick up after you mentioned that we had to go beyond the top 40. So that's <laughs> mostly why he's in here. Uh, but going with KH Lee. K- my boy. Oh, my boy. Bounce with me. Bounce my with me. boy. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right. Interesting. I didn't see that one coming. All right. Well, I'm the number go one, with, uh, the number one sexiest golfer alive. Or was that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, why not? When you don't, yeah, go sexy. And when you're in doubt, go sexy. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that has a U.S. open win. Um, a guy that has not been playing great, but also not been playing horrible, but making cuts just hasn't been in the, you know, top tenning. Um, he's slipped to 54th in the world. Uh, I don't think, I think he finished 20th in the PGA actually showed a flash. He was, he kind of got hot a little bit there and then kind of fizzled a little bit at the end, but he's got three top tens at the U S open one in 2012, the Spider-Man Webb Simpson. Oh my gosh. He's probably due for a shank. He shanks one he, every year. He, you know what though, but he's, <laughs> he's proven he, he likes these and it's not length based, you know, he's not super long. He's got that little whip swing and I think we're going to, he, he's dead straight a lot. So is Webb on the it, Webb should come over to live. Uh, Webb, Webb's a Christian. He's not, he's not going to deal with that. <laughs> no, we're not. Seems, don't go to the dark like, side. He seems like the perfect guy for an exhibition match. Webb Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like this pick guys. I'm not going to lie. I, I like my squad this week. All the more well, appropriate. I've got Mandalorian on in the background right now. Talking about the dark side. I'm looking at the old world golf rankings here. And I think. We have to go back to the to the well here with Latin America. You know, Jocko, I can't take Jocko. Mito. I could take Mito, but I'm not going to. I am going to take a player that is, oh, what is he? He's top 20 off with Stroski and off the tee and approach, driving efficiency and greens and regulation this year on tour. He uh, has made his last 10 cuts all made. On the PGA Tour, seven of them top 33 finishes. That is Sebastian Munoz. Ooh, we're going. Is he, we're going. Is he right, still with Flex Steel? I don't know if he is, but he's definitely from Latin America, which I've been riding those guys hard. Underappreciated South American golfers. Yeah. Well, yep. there you have it. We'll see. Uh, and basically, what we'll do is just everybody's got three three horses in the game, and then the the, the best finishes will be our winner. So. Oh man, just he, more he, more options. He is no longer. He moved. He upgraded. He went from uh, it looks like here Flex Seal, which could be the best sponsorship you could get, <laughs> uh, to the Motley Fool. So for for all of your bad news, for all yeah, of your, yeah, stock, all portfolio, your stock, stock portfolio, please Perfect. visit the Motley Fool for I love this. I love uh, it depression. Let's go. Let's go, right. Sebastian. Well, I'm I'm gonna throw this out there. I don't know. I mean, we haven't really discussed this, but I would assume. Um, We'll talk a little bit about our trip coming up maybe next week. We've had kind of a long pod tonight, but we can kind of touch on that a little bit next week. And then maybe two weeks from now, I don't know if we'll, we might have to miss our first pod. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Two oh, weeks from now, we'll be up, 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 and we'll yeah, we'll so. figure it out. We could do some, something. something I, th- I figure what we'll do is we'll just bring the content from there. We'll, we'll do live interviews on our Instagrams and yeah. 
Hell see yeah. how's it going up there. So if uh, two weeks from now we'll be up there and and then probably not have a podcast for if you. If anybody's interested in playing a, a Ryder Cup style match play that's listening, it's from around here. We have one spot left for um June 26th through 28th at the Wilderness and Giants Ridge. Uh, get a hold of us on Instagram if you're interested. Yeah, we got the team Justin Leonard versus whatever I come up with here. Oh, we're gonna have to get some. We got. I'm gonna have to get up to a lot of Goodwills here. We got to find some team unions, some <laughs> so, classics. I've seen lots of those vintage like golf print ones. Oh yeah, I think we could. Even, I think we could probably even. I I could probably even find us some like '90s Nick Faldo sweaters for those early mornings at Giants Ridge, but it's kind of chilly. Oh boy. Yeah. I I'm I'm not. I'm thinking I'm a little too skinny to go pleats, but I guess <laughs> when in Rome. We got a big, we got big weeks of match play coming up here. We also got the Twin Cities uh, match play happening. Twin Cities match play coming up. Yep, you two guys are going to be in the was it Metro, Metro, Metro A or whatever it is. I don't know Metro Metro A and coming in with a red hot putter. Yeah, yeah. Tim's coming. Tim's coming in hot. Tim's uh, last we played yesterday at the Jewel. Besides the putter, Tim was flying wedges like twenty yards over the green. <laughs> Yeah, he Disaster. is in total control of his game right now. Total control of his game. I just that nine iron, wants that nine iron went 165, and I proceeded to hit an eight iron 150. So, you know, <laughs> not to I'm mention a nine iron a flyer. I believe we're, we're playing our opening match. We haven't set it completely in stone yet, but I believe we're playing our opening match on Monday the 20th when it's supposed to be 100 degrees for the high. That's so when that's, the qualifiers at Albion. That's oh my god, it's gonna be 100. Yeah. Yeah, who's gonna who can that's that's actually you want that. You want you want to see if your opponent's gonna handle the heat. Yep. So yep. grind it out. All right. Well, we have our interview with uh Chris Eichenberg coming up next. Um, thanks for listening. Uh we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, we got Chris Eichenberg from Taylor Made Golf here. Here's the actual uh job title for Chris experiential representative and sales for Arizona for TaylorMade Golf. We just call him TaylorMade Golf Guy here to talk all things golf clubs. Chris, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you guys doing today? Uh, not too bad. Um, for those of you who don't know, Chris was up here in Minnesota. That's kind of how he knows us. Now he's back in the warm weather of uh, Scottsdale with what's going to be, what, 112 degrees or something like that tomorrow? Yeah, but it's a dry heat, you know? Yeah. Better than the uh, Tim, by the way, not to get off topic here. Did you see the forecast for our match on Monday? I, I think it's going to be 98 tomorrow. So it's going to be I'm Monday. Sure it's going to be worse. Monday Monday's that. high is a hundred degrees. Hope you're ready to go, buddy. Oh, nothing like getting the beers flowing while it's warm. <laughs> hey, uh, I just get worried about what's going to happen with that hair. Yeah, that's true. That's hey, true. Chris, I got a question real quick before we get started on golf clubs. Yeah. Um, I want to know what your thoughts are being in Arizona versus here, does the ball travel further down there or not as far? You know, I, it does for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, it's drier. Um, you do get some more, more lift whenever you have some uh, humidity, but down here it's a drier heat. And then also most of Arizona, like here in Phoenix, Scottsdale, we're at 1200 feet. Most of the time you get in Northern Arizona, I mean, Northern Scottsdale, like desert mountain, Estancia, those places, you're 2,500 Go two hours north, you're at 5,000, 7,000 feet, depending on where you're at. But uh, typically, you see four to five more yards of carry down here. I mean, just because okay. it's obviously warmer, ball's hotter, it's going to fly further, and and no humidity, so nothing to kill it. So that, I just want to check on that. I wasn't, I wasn't sure on that. Yeah. Um, so before we get into a lot of questions, Chris, why don't you give us your background in golf a little bit briefly here? Well, I mean uh, – just grew up kind of playing the game, played baseball and golf a lot, uh, decided to go straight golf in, in high school. 
was fortunate enough to uh, receive a scholarship to play golf in college at a Division II school, Lindenwood University, just outside St. Louis, Missouri. Played some golf there. Uh, I've been working in golf since I was 15, so we're going on, uh, let's see, Wednesday I'll be 38, so we're going to be 25 years or 25 years, something like that. I don't know. My math's not great. I only add up my scorecard, but uh, uh so uh thought about trying to play a little bit and then stayed in the industry, got my uh, PGA Class A in 2009 and worked a couple of clubs in the Houston area in Texas and then decided to go out west to California for seven years, spent some time at PGA West and uh, Desert Horizons and Indian Wells. And then uh, came over here to Arizona, spent a little short stint at uh, Silverleaf and had always been associated with TaylorMade Golf and played golf with some guys from the company that I'd known for a long time. And uh, January of 19, I got into the sales side and joined the team here uh, with TaylorMade and been doing that since then. Spent a couple of years working for them here. And then like Mike said, I uh, went up to the frozen tundra of Minnesota for two years and they uh, asked me to come back and dethaw a little bit. So, you know, that's kind of the quick elevator speech right there. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, did we run you off or did the weather run you off? <laughs> no, it was more of the weather. I mean, it's a little bit with you, Tim, but I wasn't going to say it, um, you know, but uh, mainly, mainly the cold. I'm being from the South. I'm not made for that. I don't, you know, shoveling snow is not my thing. I can, I'll shovel sand from the, from the beach if I have to. Watching Tim's putting just ran him right, right out of the state. Just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> well, so we, we have a few questions here. I think the, how about this for the first one? Just when somebody shows up for a fitting, because you yeah. obviously are doing a bunch of fitting, what what would the experience be like for somebody listening? What's the first thing you, you start doing? Just kind of walk us through the basics of a, of a just a tailor-made golf fitting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, um, we're going to go in there. We're going to kind of interview each each customer. So if you came up, Mike, I'd you know introduce myself, the team. Um, there's usually two or three of us there at each time. Um, we're going to kind of ask you some background about your game, kind of, you know, how long you've been playing, what's your game like, what are your tendencies, you know? Um, and then we'll start dialing into the nuts and bolts of what are we wanting to look at today? Is there a specific product? Is it driver? Is it irons? Is it short game? Um, and then when we go from there, you know, we'll kind of look at what your current product is. Um, once you get warmed up a little bit, say we're going to work on driver today, we're going to pull out uh, your current gamer. Have you hit four five, six shots on track, man, watch some stuff visually, get some data, get some numbers and kind of, you know, see what is working well for you, what isn't working well for you. Um, you know, it could be shaft, it could be loft, it could be face angle, it could be a lot of different things. So once we start seeing these numbers, um, you know, say you're, you're launching it low with a lot of spin and you're just, you're looking for some distance, right? Um, we're going to try to find the right shaft and head profile um, to get you in, into, to, to kind of maximize uh, what we're doing there, you know, one with consistency and distance, you know, but again, what is the biggest thing you're looking for? If you hit it pretty straight and we're looking for some distance. We're going to see what we can do. We're going to look at your ball speed. We're going to look at your launching we're going to look at your spin rate. Um, then we'll start working through some combinations with the new equipment. I mean, we carry around a gun case with about 15 different heads, all of our different combinations. We've got about 85 to 100 different shaft options for drivers based on weight, flex, um, you know, kick point, what it's going to do with your launch and spin. And once we kind of go through some different iterations, we really look at these numbers on TrackMan, look what it's doing visually. And, uh, you know, this process will take 25 to 45 minutes, depending on the player. Sometimes you find it right off, right out of the gate. Um, but we really, we're going to run you through the process and show, you know, why this is working better, explain to you why this shaft works better, why 
you know, you may have been playing an X before, but your borderline with the speed and your launch and spin isn't right to where we're going to go into a softer flex shaft or something lighter. So there's a lot of different ways that we can we can find the right fit and combination for you. And then we really dial in those numbers and show you kind of how it's working, why it's working, and then give you those final details. And then after that process, we'll land on one, hopefully sometimes two options that we feel we like the best. Then we'll go back and hit them a couple more times just to confirm and then decide on what works best for you and, and really show you that driven data that's there, um, why, why it's working better for you and why this is the best product to get in your hands. Hey, Chris, how much, how much of golf is the equipment versus the player using it? You know what I mean? mean? Like, cause, cause you're going to have a player that maybe has kind of a bad swing and you can give mm -hmm. them a club that fits that swing, but like, you know, you know, it's, it's, they got to work hand in hand. Right. I mean, there's yeah. going to, everybody does certain things a certain way, you know, like a guy might be always hitting a nine degree driver and he just, he can't get it off the deck and we look at it and his dynamic loft, which is your loft at impact might be low. Right. So if you're a guy that D lofts it, if you're a guy that adds loft, like take DJ, for instance, his driver starts at 11 and a half degrees. A lot of, a lot of people realize that bowed left wrist D lofts it. He needs more static loft to start with, but you know, if you're that 18 handicap that's always over the top doing some crazy things with your swing, I mean, we can do some things to help you. But there's times when it's like we can turn your 30 yard cut into a 15 yard cut. That's about <laughs> as good as we're gonna get. You know? I mean, we're, we're not we're not magic workers here. Yeah, there's yeah, times yeah. when it's like, hey, we might give you a tip here and there. That's not what we're there for. That's what other PJ professionals are there for. But, you know, mm -hmm. I'd say it's probably a 50 50. I mean, a golf club can make a lot of difference. You know, I always equate it to like a tailored suit. You can make anything work off of the rack. You can go buy a suit and tie at Nordstrom's and look good in it. But if you get a tailored suit, now you're going to look good and feel your best, but it's not always the magic stick. You know, it's a lot of it. You got to make it work yourself. So we're going to build what's best for you and what's best for you might not be perfect in your eyes just because you've got some messed up things going on in your swing. Well, there was my uh, there. <laughs> uh, kind of piggybacking off of what Jeff asked, what kind of consistency should someone have with their swing to come in and, and see you for fitting? You know, um, it's a good question. I don't always like my, the person that I'm working with to actually be striping that striping it that day. You know, it's, it's almost better if you're kind of in that 75, 80% range, because so something that I wear out all the time, a good shot's always going to be a good shot, but if we can make your bad shots better, um, I think that's almost better. If we can make the golf club work when you're not at a hundred percent, think about what it's going to do when you're at a hundred percent. Right. So, you know, the guy, you know, 85% of the time I have the guy going, Oh, I'm not swinging at my best and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, if we can make it work right now, think about what it's going to do when you're swinging good, unless there's just a huge discrepancy and the guy's got the hosels or something like that. Then we're going to say, Hey, look, Let's not put a Band-Aid on it. Let's look at it again. Let's take a breather or whatever. But, um, you know, you don't have to be on your game to make it work. I, I can kind of give you some experience from when uh, I went to a fitting with Chris last year at Stoner's at the driver. Mm -hmm. uh, I was hitting an epic flash uh, with just a, a shaft off the rack, basically, the be amount of smoke. And I hit it fine. You know, hit it pretty far, but it was pretty spinny and kind of high. And I never got any roll. And I think hitting the Sim 2 last year with that with that uh, Ventus shaft, I think I was ended up, the carry was only a few yards more, but the roll was like 10 or 12 yards Correct. more. Correct. When so we dropped a, a your spin, flight. we dropped yeah. your spin like five or 600 RPMs. 
you still got that peak height, but it just got there and stayed there. So your consistency was better because you remember the first few times we played, you hit rockets that were moon balls and they'd land and they'd back up sometimes. I mean, that's yeah. not ideal. Yeah. You know, I mean, it worked, but we made the next, the next product work better because we made it more consistent and work effectively for you. Yeah, for sure. For so sure. on to, uh, on to the most prolific part of my game, putting, um, <laughs> just a generational putter of the golf ball. Uh, Jeff and I have both been battling issues with putters, but there's a mm-hmm. piece that came out today and it had Steve Stricker's toe hang versus uh, Tiger's uh, heel hang. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if, if you had a preference in fitting a putter, whether it was a toe or a heel preference. You know, I honestly, a lot of that comes to where your eye sits, you know, my putters are primarily flat. I play my putters three, four, sometimes five degrees flat, depending on the model. But you obviously, if you're, if you're, your toes too far up, your heels too far up, you're going to not hit it in the center of the face, depending on your stroke. Right. Um, and that's where you get into a putter that has like a higher MOI or something that's face balanced versus that has toe hang. Um, that'll affect the way that the club sits, but you obviously want to have proper angle on that putter to where it sits pretty square and flat and to where when you make contact with the ball, it's as close to the center as possible. But that's why you get certain putters like our new Spider GT that has a lot of a very high MOI. So we're on that off center hit, the chance that you do hit it on the toe or the heel side that the face reduces in the twisting. But as far as the way it sits, some of that is your setup, but then other parts of it is, you know, you want it to be as consistent as possible because based off of your stroke, you know, Strick is more of a little bit of a straight back, straight through. Tiger's always had a little bit of an arc stroke. If you have more of an arc stroke, you can have that toe up in the air a little bit more, right? So just to let that putter release. So it depends on the on your 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 style of putting, but also you want that consistent head in the center of face. So is Torres uh, with you guys? No, no, he okay. uh, manufacturer, and that's why he's got a little bit of a weeble wobble. But I don't know if that's his putter. I think that's. Uh, stroke that's my stroke too the old figure eight so when we're talking putters here you got all three of us in the pot are spider guys of some of some variation and you're out there when you're out there fitting putters you know obviously you still make a blade product is it a high percentage of people playing the the mallet these days i'd say it's probably closer in like that 80 percent range i mean you have the traditional players that like seeing they like that blade putter. They think that the the mallets or, you know, the spider or whatever it is, future is that it's a little bulky for them. But, um, you know, again, if you can get something that works best for their stroke, be it face balance, be it a blade, be it, you know, a short slant neck, you're going to see some differences in there. A lot of, you know, a lot of a big part of a putter is what you, what looks good to you when you put it down, much like most equipment. But again, if you can make it work more consistently, um, it's hard to say, but I would say nowadays, I bet you at least 80% of the putters we put out there are mallet style putters with that higher MOI. That's why, you know, if you look at our lineup, about 80% of our putters are going to be that mallet style. And then you're seeing that trend continue on the tour. I mean, you still have the guys that like the answer style, the Scotty Cameron, things like that. But most of our staffers are playing some sort of, of our, of our spider, be it the spider X, spider GT, be it Dustin's trusty, you know, itsy bitsy spider. So you know, a lot of it has to do with your stroke, but I'd say the mallet putter has taken over. So I got a hypothetical for you. Um, You can only get fitted in one area. You got your driver irons or a putter. 
you can only get fitted for one. What do you think would be the most important out of those three? I'm going to go with irons, um, okay. irons and wedges, because a driver at the most, you're going to hit a driver at the most 12 to 14 times around, right? Um, your irons, you hit 80 plus percent of your shots with that, your irons and wedges, and that's where you score most of the time. I mean, yes, the other parts of the game are important, but if you look at, you know, what you're going to utilize the most for your scoring percentages, your irons and wedges are going to be super important because no matter how far you hit it or how straight you hit it, if you can't get it on the green, you can't get it closer to the hole, you're just, you're not going to score. Right. And like I said, 80% of your shots probably, you know, don't quote me on that, but about, I would imagine 80% of your shots come with irons and wedges. Unless you're Tim. Well, then it's like putter. Then it's like putter. Tim's I mean, I have seen the guy putt like 50 yards off the green, so I mean, it's, it's, uh, I want well, you to know. know. I want you to know, Chris, that at Troy Bird, I'm still laughing about this putt, Tim. Tim had a putt that was like five feet, maybe slightly downhill, and he putted that thing like like it was leg putt from like 40 feet. It went so far by the hole. I thought it was uphill because <laughs> <laughs> you were wearing only one shoe. <laughs> That's right. So, speaking of wedges, like, do you do a lot of wedge fittings for people? Or, or is that like the you know, most the most like misunderstood club in the bag kind of for people? I think it's probably the most misunderstood club in the bag. I mean, it's something that I think is very important that you get fit for, but it's probably the last thing outside of a putter that people think of. Because um, you get into your gapping, you know, what's the loft on your pitching wedge? How far do you hit that? What's your next club? Do you go 52? Do you go 56? You know, do you go 54? And then you get into your scoring clubs, your 56, your 58, and your 60. Um, you got to look at bounce and grinds. I mean, especially on bounces, if you look at, you know, turf conditions, right? Minnesota, it's typically a little wetter, a little bit softer, um, a lot more bent grass and bluegrass and things like that to where you need that extra bounce just because you're typically going to get a little bit more diggy there. Um, you want to utilize that bounce as your friend to kind of create a buffer between the turf and and yourself. Now you come down here to Arizona where typically it's outside of during the prime overseed season. Like right now, everything's getting hard and firm and fast. So you need a little bit less bounce. Now doesn't mean everybody should go to like a four degree bounce in their 58 or 60 because now it kind of gets knifey. And again, bounce is your friend. So like for me, when I moved to Minnesota, I had to go to a high bounce in my 58 just because the turf interaction was different. And with mid bounce, everything was sticking but I come back down here, I need less bounce because there's less turf interaction. It's firmer. It's going to skip a little bit more. If I have more bounce, it's going to create too much of a buffer. That's where like those guys, when they go to the open championship, they're playing 58s and 60s that have two, three, four degrees of bounce just because it's so hard and so firm that if you get too much, you're going to start doing just like it says, it's going to start bouncing. You're going to start hitting it middle of the equator on the golf ball, or it's going to start digging on the toe. I mean, or on the heel, wherever, however you strike it. So, you know, it's one thing that's misunderstood is like these guys on tour, um, they change the bounce for their wedges based off of where they're at. I mean, they don't, I mean, a lot of them do stick with the same, but most of the time in their scoring wedge that 58 and 60, they're changing that bounce based off of turf conditions, just because the grasses are different, the, you know, the firmness, the softness, it all changes. So that's something that I think is important that needs to be done, but it's, it's overlooked by a lot of people. They say, Hey, I'm going to grab a lob wedge and a sandwich and go. How, how about the wedge shaft? Like I, I always play them right off the rack, you know, but I probably have a high enough swing speed where I could probably get us something stiffer yet, yet even, but 
Does that make a difference? Typically, typically in wedge shafts, you go a little bit heavier and a little bit softer than what you play in your full swing and say like your the rest of your iron set because the amount of times that you hit, especially like a 58 or a 60 with a full swing is is very minimal, right? You're using that more for scoring, you're using that more for touch shots. So, you know, a guy, a lot of our guys that we see that play like an X100 and their irons will go to an S400, which is about five to eight grams heavier and just a little bit softer just to give them some touch and some feel there. And they're also, you know, the shaft isn't bowing and deflecting the way that it does with the full swing. So it gives them more touch and feel. Hey, Chris, you mentioned the the tour. Um, yeah. You got some experience working the tour vans, right? Yeah. I've worked. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. It's uh it's a traveling circus weekly, but it's, it's a cool experience. I mean, you get to go out there and, um, you know, our tour van is, is in my opinion, obviously I'm a little biased, but it's the best in the business. I mean, we got the first double decker tour van. Um, it is where everything is built for the best players in the world. Now their changes are minimal from week to week, but they make a big difference. Again, like we're talking about wedges, we're talking about a guy that Maybe he hasn't been hitting his driver as well. I mean, for uh, for most people, they're gonna be like, "What's wrong with it? What you haven't been doing?" But if they're not seeing what they want to see, um, there these reps are out there. We're there to help these guys and dial it in because this is their livelihood. I mean, one of my last last most recent stories was um, one of our staff guys, Adam Long, had been playing pebble and he was hitting what he thought were great drives and it would get to its peak and all of a sudden just turn on the left blinker and it was just left rough left out of, I mean, out of bounds once. I mean, but, um, and he's just saying, what's going on with that? And we asked him, you know, what did you do here? Um, cause it, needless, regardless of what people think, not all these guys out there are gearheads. A lot of them, you ask them anything about their equipment. They're like, I don't know. You built it for me. Right. I mean, they don't even know how many wraps they have on their grips for some of them. We write all this stuff down for them. We're babysitting them. Right. Which rightly so. I mean, they're making us the money. We're making them the money. Right. So, but it came down to he had changed the loft on his driver, changed the face angle. He wasn't spinning the ball enough. When it got up there, it was only spinning 1900. Face angle was left, dives left. We went and cherry picked him ahead to the loft he wanted, got the face back square, got the loft being the uh, spin up to 2200, started hitting it perfect like he wanted. I mean, we're talking a game of centimeters and inches here, but with the world's best players, that's what you get into. And most of these guys are just, they're cool guys. The guys out there are super smart. Some of them are really into their equipment. Other ones are like, just make it work for me. So, so what, you're, you know. what you're saying is the live tour could maybe make the tour. The tour vans could go the way of the Dodo bird because it doesn't even matter how well you play in the live tour. You just show up and get a paycheck and shoot 82, <laughs> 75, shoot 82, 75, 75, like Ogletree and make 120 grand. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, we, I saw one of our guys at NCAAs a couple of weeks ago and somebody asked him a question about, you know, DJ and what they're going to do with that. And it's, it's still up in the air. I mean, I, I don't know enough to, to make an assessment of it, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because these big names, you mean, they're, they're big names for us. They're, they're social media, they're media for us. You know, there are billboards. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen there, but I think those guys still want their equipment. Right. But at the same time, if you're making 110 K for shooting 90, 90, then, who really gives a shit, right? Yeah, no doubt. It's crazy. It's crazy. Tim's 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 trying to get a membership. He's trying to write in to live. Yeah, learning uh, uh, learning Arabic as we speak, <laughs> best I can. No, what has me more interested is the uh, the caddy life over there. No, um, you got no upfront costs. You've got no 
no lodging, no food Hell costs. Yeah. And to be a tour caddy and live. I mean, they're definitely eight, treating eight all those guys year. right. I mean, the way that they're flying them back and forth and even putting up the caddies and stuff, it's it's quite a life. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to the game. I mean, you, you're seeing more and more names going. It's going to be interesting to see how many continue to go. Um, I wonder. I mean, did they, a lot of money. I mean, did they have it? Did they have like a tour van set up there, like a normal PGA event? Because it was much, It's kind of like an exhibition match almost. Not yet. From what I've seen, is they just have like a a club room where there's a couple guys in there that'll help with grips and lot and lofts and bending and and some shafts. But as far as you know, the major OEMs like us, we don't really have a presence out there yet. But I mean, right now you're only talking eight weeks a year. So financially, how do you justify that unless they're going to pay us a shit ton of money to do it too? But probably next, you'll probably you'll probably be out there hawking hawking oil and tailor made soon. You never know. <laughs> I, I hope this <laughs> trickle down yeah, they might go the route of the LPGA where they've got just one truck out there that takes care of everybody with a few reps on it. But hey, you I mean money talks, right? So give me a little bit of money, we'll see what happens. I'll I'll fly over to uh, to Saudi Arabia, maybe. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. I got one more question here as we kind of wrap up. But there seems to be like this underground cult. Uh, you know, I'm not part of it because I don't know a lot about it. But of people that just absolutely are obsessed with golf equipment, like they trade it, they always look in. You know, it's like what. Like, why do you suppose it? I mean, they're remodeling their old ones. They're, you know, it's like this, this underground, like almost fetish for golf equipment. Like what, what is it about? I mean, I just have never been into it like that. Like, I don't, you know, I like to golf, but like, there's not, you know, I don't look at my driver as a, you know, there's some spectacle that somebody else might or But do you have a stealth yet? I do. I actually do service tumblers. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's, I look at it as almost like a car guy, right? Like guys are really into cars and they're always trying to do something to their cars and they want to upgrade this or they need this, or they've got this Porsche, they want the next one or whatever. So it's, it's kind of the same realm. It's like, what do you want to dive into? What's your thing that you tinker with? You know, what can you get away with? What is the the war department at home? Let you get away with instead of a $80,000 vehicle, maybe it's $5,000 in clubs. But then a lot of people, I mean, they don't want to practice. They don't want to try to do things to get better. So they think, Hey, if I upgrade this because this guy's doing this, maybe that's going to make me better. But if you're always searching, I mean, how, how good is it really going to be? A lot of times it's going to be very minimal. Sometimes it can be a big thing, but it's like, oh, I'm going to pay a thousand dollars for this autoflex shaft because that's the new thing. Right. But is that right for you? Who knows? But, you know, it's kind of like that's just their little thing. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I'm kind of a club geek in a way, but it's because of what I do, but the amount of changes I make are minimal. But like you said, some people it's every week, they've got something different and you never yeah. know what's going on, but it's, that's just the way their brain works. They're trying to buy a game or they just want to stay with the Joneses. Right. And they think that they've got the hot new model. That's going to make it best for them. Well, I'll say yeah. that I got sucked in. I got sucked in by that from Charlie Woods when I watched him play draining all those putts. So what do, you, what do I have to go get? I got to get the copper putter. Yeah. So I can tell you, Jeff, it it's all, me, it's all about the accessories. You got to throw bag tags and turvis tumblers. Yeah. I don't know. If you get any more bag tags, Tim, your bag is going to weigh about a, about a thousand pounds. And that it, thing makes so much noise when you're walking down the fairway. I mean, I wanted to tear them off every time I was with you. Especially when you're playing airport. 17 clubs. He's got 17, 18 clubs in the bag also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two drivers, three fairway woods, 18 wedges, you know. <laughs> I uh, just you know, need to drop the putter. We got a match Monday. I wonder how I wonder how serious they're going to be about clubs in the bag. You're going to have to figure that out. They could come over and, and 
we could lose a lot of holes automatically there. I, I, I think I'll settle on one driver by then. <laughs> Might lose the three iron. Well, that was uh, anything else, guys, for Chris here talking TaylorMade golf? Dude, that's awesome stuff. That's a spot that I do not know a lot about. I've never actually been fitted. So well, you should definitely, you know, it's something to look into. I mean, like I said, you can make anything work off the rack, but if you want it to be optimized for you, go through the process. I mean, most of the time you can find our fitting events online at taylormadegolf.com. You can go to any other club fitter in the area um, and really dial you in and at least get an idea of where you want to go. You don't have to change like everybody does every week, like you're saying, but you know, something just as little as a shaft change, like we did with Mike, you know, where it, it gives him that extra 15 yards that not that he really needs it, but I mean, it just worked better for him. So, you know, give it a shot, you know, see what you can do. You never know what you can come out of it. Jeff's a grinder. I could see, I could see Jeff at an iron fitting for like three yeah. hours. Just, just, just grinding. <laughs> We're just trying to before, before that time. We kick him out. I'm not leaving until I know exactly what it's doing. All right. Well, awesome. Well, good stuff, stuff, Chris. We appreciate it. Thanks well, I appreciate you on. guys having me on and, uh, you know, I'm always here in case you guys got any other crazy questions. Yeah. And the pot, the pod's going to have to come down to Scottsdale this winter or something. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. We got some spots to go, so it'll be good. Get away from the, the snow and come down here and enjoy about 75 and perfect every day. Yeah. Take it easy this next few weeks and get in the AC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. July will be a grind, but then we'll go right back to it. So awesome. Well, thanks for coming on again. All right, fellas. Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Break 80 Break 80 Break 80